Welcome on in to the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieter. Now, today we'll be finishing uh, our review of the trade deadline. Uh, about a week ago, we covered the Western Conference, uh, what happened with all the 15 teams, um, and what they did during the trade deadline, uh, trades that they made, or if they stood pat. Uh, so we'll be continuing that, covering the Eastern Conference today. Um, so we'll go ahead and start with the let's go ahead and start with the Central Division. Um, so first off, the Indiana Pacers were one of the more um, active teams at the trade deadline. They ended up uh, first off about a week before the trade deadline. They ended up sending Karis Levert to the Cleveland Cavaliers. In return, they got Ricky Rubio, who was out for the season, um, so he was there just to make salaries match. And they got a first-round pick from the Cavaliers, uh, basically for taking on Rubio's contract for him. Um, so, okay piece of work. I mean, they weren't really planning on LeBert being part of their future, so getting a first-round pick out of him isn't the worst thing. Um, and then they made a very big trade. Um, and I think we're by far the winners of this trade. So they made a trade with the Sacramento Kings, sending out Damanis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb to the Kings. In return, they got Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Now, they eventually bought out Tristan Thompson, and we'll talk about the team that, that picked him up here in just a second. Um, but Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that is in his second year in the league, um, can play the one and the two. Um, is a good shooter, is a great defender, um, just an all-around very good basketball player. Um, now, DeMontis Sabonis was an all-star for the Pacers, and he's still pretty young, but he's such a hard uh, <clears throat> guy to build a roster around. I mean, you if you have him on your team, you have to plan the rest of your roster around him. He can't just uh, seamlessly fit in. Um, so they got off of him. Losing Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb is a you know a bit of a blow. I mean, Jeremy Lamb's a good scorer off the bench. Justin Holiday is a very good defender. Uh, along with Tyrese Halliburton, again they picked up Buddy Heald, who's a fantastic three-point shooter. Um, has and in the couple games he got to play with the Pacers before the All-Star break, has already had an impact on the team. So overall, I think the Pacers did a very good job during this trade deadline. They moved off of some pieces that were just not part of their future and were able to add some future assets in Tyrese Halliburton and that first-round pick that I talked about before. So next we'll talk about the Chicago Bulls. Um, the Bulls did not end up making any trades. Um, there's a lot of talk about Jeremy Grant to them. Um, you know, but they weren't willing to give up Patrick Williams in a trade like that. So they ended up standing pat. Um, but they did pick up Tristan Thompson, who the Pacers bought out. Um, so he's going to come in and fight for the backup center position with Tony Bradley. You know, he's a more mobile center uh, than Bradley is. Not as big, um, but he gives them some really good depth and, and experience as they start heading into the playoffs. Um, 
Let's see. Next, we can talk about the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks decided that they were pretty well off at the shooting guard, small forward position. They had enough guys there, enough of these you know mid sized guards, you know six five ish, um, and so they sent one of them out in uh, Dante DiVincenzo, along with Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood. Both guys were not really playing for them, um, and in return, were able to get. Um, Serge Ibaka. Um, Serge Ibaka will give them a guy that is still a pretty decent shot blocker. He's not nearly as athletic as he was with the Thunder, but he's still very, very smart, knows how to get himself into position. And he's turned himself into a very good three-point shooter over the course of his career and for mid-range. Um, so it's more insurance for Brooke Lopez. If, if Lopez is not able to... um come back this year from injury. Uh, he had back surgery. If he's not able to come back, Serge will fill that role. But if Brooke is healthy, then Serge just gives them a, a lot more depth in the front court there. Um, but losing DiVincenzo is kind of a big deal. He's, you know, he's still very young, um, but they feel that in like Grayson Allen and um, Pat Connaughton, that they have enough there to uh, replace him. So next is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the Cavaliers, I mentioned them before in the Pacers uh, trade. They ended up sending Ricky Rubio in a first uh, to the Indiana Pacers and getting Karis LeVert. And LeVert's been a very good fit for them in the first couple games he was with them. Uh, just a guy that can be a spark off the bench, or if he's with the starters, you know, can be you know, a guy that when things bog down a little bit, he can go into ISO and he can get you a few points. Um, he's not an insanely good uh, ISO player. He's not a super efficient offensive player, but he gives them at least another option there. He gives them the ability to to score when things get bogged down a little bit. Um, so overall, I mean, again, Ricky Rubio was not going to play again this year. He tore his ACL. So getting anything in return for that was, you know, a decent piece of work. Um, let's see. And the last team in the Central Division is the Detroit Pistons. Um, for the most part, the Pistons um, stayed pretty quiet. They they had the ability to go out and make some some bigger moves, um, but I think they decided, you know, hey, we're we're building around these younger guys. Um, so if we can get some more young guys to put around them, we'll do that. But we're not gonna, you know, try and go go out and get a big piece. They had the ability to move Jeremy Grant, but no offers really blew them over. So I think that they'll wait until summer to move him now. Um, but they did end up making one trade. Um, they were able to get Marvin Bagley from the Kings, which the Kings had kind of given up on Marvin Bagley, um, which I don't fully understand. I mean. Even though he's had his struggles, and he's had his struggles staying healthy, Marvin Bagley is still, you know, 6'11", long, athletic, um, and pretty skilled on the offensive end. I think he just needs a coach to really give him some direction. But he is on the last year of his rookie contract, so this is really his one big opportunity to show that he does belong in the NBA. And not just belongs in the NBA, I, th I think he definitely does. But the fact that he can be 
a maybe borderline all-star player. Like, I don't know if there's quite that potential in him, but I think he definitely is a guy that should be a starter in the NBA and getting the opportunity to work with coach Dwayne Casey and his staff. Um, there's not any pressure to win right now, so he can get plenty of minutes, plenty of time to develop. Um, I think this is a good opportunity for Marvin Bagley. Um, and in this trade, the Pistons sent out uh, Josh Jackson, who played well for them last year, but the, at this point, or you know, this year, he kind of got pushed out of the rotation just because the uh, the Pistons have a lot of guys that can play the two through the four uh, that are similar size to him, and he just got beat out by some of the younger guys. Um, Let's see. So next we'll go ahead and go to the uh the Southeast Division. Um we'll start with the uh Miami Heat. The Miami Heat ended up not making a trade um at this deadline. Um over the uh, last deadline they made a trade to pick up Victor Oladipo and then they signed him again this summer uh to a minimum deal. Um he's been dealing with uh knee injury for the last year or so he's getting really close to coming back and so the Miami Heat really see him as their you know trade deadline acquisition even though it happened you know last trade deadline now he's going to be healthy and ready to play for them so they didn't really see the need to go out and get anybody else and they've done they did such a great job in the summer of filling out this roster um they have a lot of depth you know and then guys have kind of been surprising and come on and uh you know become full-fledged nba players you have guys like caleb martin who was released by the hornets they brought him in on a two-way and he's just absolutely been killing it um they brought in max Struess. uh i think they had him last year on a two-way signed him to a normal contract this year and he's playing the exact same role for them that Duncan Robinson does and has been extremely effective at that. And then um, Cape Vincent was another guy that they signed, I think, on a two-way. Um, and now that he's on a standard contract and has become s- solidly their backup point guard and has done a great job, especially in the times that Lowry's had to be out. Um, this is a scary team, and I would not be shocked if the Miami Heat are in the uh, finals this year. They've got a lot of teams to deal with, with the Bucks, um, and the Nets and the 76ers, but they are an extremely good team. Next, we'll go ahead and talk about the uh, Orlando Magic. The Magic made one move. They, they ended up not moving off of some higher money veterans like Terrence Ross and Gary Harris. Instead, they made a trade with the... Celtics picked up PJ Dozier and Bull Bull. Now Dozier was just thrown in to make the money work. He ended up being released because he's he's out for the rest of the year with an injury. Bull Bull, you know, seven foot two, little over two hundred pound, power forward, power forward ish player that the uh, the Nuggets took a few years ago. Still, I think has some potential, but I don't. 
I definitely don't see like the superstar that everybody else saw coming out of the draft. I never thought he was going to be anything super special, but the Magic get the opportunity now to give him some minutes and see if he actually is an NBA player or not. Uh, but other than that, they pretty much did Pat. And then there's no indication that they're going to buy out Gary Harris or Robin Lopez from their contracts, at least as of right now. Um, and so I think they mostly just want to have some solid veterans around um, to help, you know, foster the uh, the youth movement that they've got going there, help teach these younger guys. Um, because they're very much in a rebuild right now, and they're a few years away from ever really pushing for contention. Um, yeah. So then we'll go to the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks ended up making their move about a week before the deadline. They sent Cameron Reddish to the Knicks. In return, they got a first-round pick and Kevin Knox. Now, Kevin Knox is a, you know, a young guy that, a lot like Marvin Bagley, just kind of fell out of the rotation with his team. And a change of scenery might get, be a good thing for him. But mostly, they're just getting that first-round pick um, out of out of that trade. And opening up the rotation at the wing position a little bit more for them. It's surprising that they didn't end up moving Danilo Gallinari. Um, you know, he's on a kind of a pseudo expiring contract. He has a contract for next year, but it's not guaranteed. Um, but again, for the most part, they decided to just stand pat and uh, go forward with the team they had. Um, Next is the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets actually made one of the more uh, surprising moves of the deadline. They were actually able to get Montrez Harrell from the Wizards. Um, I knew Harrell was on the on the trade block, but I didn't expect the the Hornets to really go out and get themselves a center. It's what they needed, but I figured, you know, like they've done for the past like four years. They would decide in the end that what they had at center was fine and that they could move forward. Uh, Harold, I don't know if they're going to end up starting him or if it's going to be Plumlee, uh, but I do know that whether he's starting or coming off the bench, he'll probably play 26 to 30 minutes a game for the Hornets. Uh, gives them a guy that can add some scoring off the bench, some rebounding. He's not a great defender, but he's at least active and aggressive. Um. So I think the Hornets improved with doing this, and all they had to send out was Ish Smith and Vernon Carey, which Vernon Carey is still a young player with some potential, but he wasn't playing for them. And then Ish Smith is you know a solid backup point guard. Um, but I think the uh, the Hornets were were fine with just letting him go and. Uh, either using free agency or the guys that they already have in, on roster, like uh, Rogier and Book Knight and Martin, kind of fill that backup point guard position for them. Um, and then finally, in the Southeastern Division is the Washington Wizards. The uh, Wizards were very busy, and very busy in a very short amount of time. Uh, there was no news on them. And then once we got to about within an hour or so of the deadline, three trades came across. They sent Aaron Holiday to the Suns, 
Um, in that pit, in that, I think they just got back a second round pick from the Suns in that trade. Uh, but that was just to kind of to open up some salary for themselves. Um, they sent Montrezl Harrell to the Wizards, and again they got back Ish Smith, which gives them a backup point guard and uh, to go along with How Neto at the backup point guard position. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say backup point guard because the next trade they made was a was a big one, and it was a very unexpected one. They sent Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans to the Dallas Mavericks for Kristaps Porzingis. So with that, Hal Neto may be the starting point guard for the Wizards now. Um, but Kristaps gives them an, uh, a way different look than what they've had in the past, I'm trying to put a second star next to Bradley Beal. You know, they've had John Wall before. They've had Russell Westbrook. Um, this year, they tried out Spencer Dinwiddie, and now they're going to try out having a seven foot three power forward slash center in Kristaps Porzingis next to him. However, Bradley Beal is out for the rest of the year. He had surgery, I think, on his elbow, I believe. Uh, so he'll be out for the rest of the year. But starting next year, you know. We get to see what that grouping will look like. Um, and then moving Montrezl Harrell also opens up the center rotation for Thomas Bryant and uh, Daniel Gafford. Um, and Kristaps is still very young. I think he's 26. And, you know, he's had a lot of trouble with injuries. But if he can get into the right program, get with the right trainers, and stay relatively healthy to where he can play, you know, at least 70 games this season. He is he's an all-star level player. He's a very good player. Um, so I like the pickup there for the Wizards. Um, you know, and Spencer Dinwiddie just was not working out the way they thought he would. Um he was just not a good fit with Bradley Beal. When Beal was off the floor and Spencer Dinwiddie could be the guy, he looked good. But when the two were on the floor, it just did not work. And then Davis Bertans, you know, the Wizards have a lot of good depth at the power forward position, especially now adding Kristaps, but you also had guys like Rui Hachimura, uh, Denny Abdia, and Kyle Kuzma. And so it kind of made sense to uh, to move off of Bertans. He really wasn't getting that much time. And he's you know not a very good defender. He can knock down threes, but you know that's about it. So I, I think it was it was a good three trades that the Wizards pull off, pulled off here, kind of rebalanced their roster without giving away a ton and without really messing with what makes this team kind of special. Um, so finally, we'll move to the Atlantic division. Um, we'll go ahead and start with uh, one of the teams that made the biggest trade of the day. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, ever since the, the summer, uh, Ben Simmons has said he wants out. He's not ever going to play another game for the 76ers, and he held true to that. He stayed out. He sat out and was, ended up being fined you know, $19 million for sitting out, but he, he wanted out of Philly real badly. Um, Daryl Morey kept saying that he wanted a star player in return, was looking at guys like Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard. Nothing looked like it was going to happen. And then about three days before the deadline, we started hearing some rumblings of a Ben Simmons for James Harden trade. 
Um, personally, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think it really had any chance of happening. Um, I thought if the, if the Nets were going to trade Harden, they were going to need to be blown over or it was going to happen in the summer or something like that. Um, but eventually a trade ended up happening. Uh, the 76ers sent Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, um, and, um, blanking on it and, uh, Andre Drummond to the Nets along with two first round picks. They got back James Harden and Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap will be just a, an awesome veteran for the 76ers to have. He can play some at the four, play some at the five. Probably isn't going to play a ton of minutes, but, you know, just a solid veteran guy to have around. But, of course, the big piece was getting James Harden. Um, Harden has been one of the top, you know, two or three scorers in the in the NBA for a long time. Um, these last couple of years of Brooklyn, uh, not as much. Um, you know, he kind of had to default to Kyrie Irving and to Kevin Durant. Um, but I think this trade will allow him to to take back over again. You know, he'll be matched up with Joel Embiid, which I think the combination of those two can be scary, but I do worry about the the chemistry and the fit. Um, you know, because Joel Embiid does well with the ball in his hands, uh, doesn't really run a ton of pick and roll, and James Harden likes the ball in his hands a ton and thrives off of playing pick-and-roll with the big. Um, they still also have Tobias Harris. Um, so now you have a big three of, uh, of Embiid, Harden, and Harris. And, and, you know, so I think they did a good job here. I was very surprised that this happened. We'll talk about the other side of this uh, right now. So we'll move on over to the Brooklyn Nets. So for the Nets... They get back Ben Simmons. Now, Ben Simmons hasn't played this year. The last time he did play in the playoffs, you know, he his mind wasn't there. Um, he made a lot of dumb moves uh, and just really could not keep his focus on basketball. I think this time away and also finally moving to a new city where it's not the worst fans in the world like Philadelphia – might be a really good thing for him. You got to remember, this guy, he is still 6'11", 240 pounds, is an absolute freak of an athlete, um, has good vision as a passer, is a good rebounder, is a fantastic perimeter defender. Yeah, he has weaknesses in this game. He can't really guard down in the post, and he refuses to shoot on the offense net. Um, he's really only effective from like eight feet in. But there are just so many strengths here. And you put him with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I think we're going to see a brand new Ben Simmons the last little bit of this regular season and into the playoffs. Adding Seth Curry gives them um, insurance in case Joe Harris isn't able to come back from his injury. And if they play together, um, you have two very scary shooters out there. And then Andre Drummond just gives them a lot more depth at the center position. I don't know if they're going to end up starting him. Um, I mean, they have a lot of guys there that they could. 
started the center with Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Nick Claxton. But he just gives them another option there. And then, of course, again, they picked up two first-round picks. Those can be used in the future to be traded away again. Or to, you know, of course, they can take those picks and pick up some some young players that can help them in the future. Also, today, they they ended up picking up um, Goran Dragic, who was traded from the Raptors to the Spurs. The Spurs bought him out. They signed him today to a contract. Um, so he's going to come in and play, you know, backup point guard, maybe backup shooting guard for them, along with Patty Mill, Patty Mills. Um, just a very good pickup for them. They had to uh, release Javon Carter to make make that deal work, and then also in the uh, picking up Ben Simmons trade, they had to to release DeAndre Bembry to open up a roster spot there. I do worry about. That move, I think Bembry was a great fit with the Nets. Um, was a solid defender, good ath- good athlete. Was becoming a better offensive player, and he actually ended up signing with the Bucks, which makes them even scarier. Uh, but I think picking up Drogic, picking up Simmons, Curry, Drummond was a great job by the by the Nets. Um, in a move where you know they were going to lose James Harden, he was going to leave in the summer, um, and so it was a good. Good job by them to get um, some value back from him. So next, we'll go ahead and talk about the Raptors. Um, so like I said, the Raptors traded Goran Dragic. In that trade, they sent Goran Dragic to the Spurs. The Spurs sent back Thaddeus Young. Now, the Raptors had to send out a first-round pick in that trade um, with Goran Dragic to get the deal done. But the it seems like the Raptors are kind of fully committing to this roster of guys between like 67 and 69 that are you know that are long and athletic and can defend multiple positions um in their starting lineup lately they've had Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi and um Scotty Barnes all in at the same time all those guys are 68 to 69 you know, bigger-bodied guys that are very athletic and can really guard basically one through five um, on their bench. They already had guys like Chris Boucher and Delano Banton, who are both about 6'9", 200 pounds. Um, they still have a guy like Isaac Bonga around, who's very deep on their bench, but, you know, 6'8", 190. Um, they're two backup centers. In uh, Ken Birch and Precious Achua, again, 6'8", 6'9"-ish, you know, somewhere between 220 and 240, can defend multiple positions, can move on the floor. And then Thaddeus Young has played, you know, small forward and power forward throughout most of his career, um, has recently made the move over to center. You know, but he's, you know, 6'8", 235 pounds. Um has always been a fantastic perimeter defender, picking up a lot of steals. He can move, defend a lot of different positions. Um, and then you put around those guys, you have Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, Svee uh, Mikhailuk, guys that can help keep the ball moving, uh, can shoot. This is 
again, a very scary team. Um, and I would be afraid to play them in the playoffs, tell you the truth. Um, and lastly, we'll cover the two New York teams. Or, no, we already covered the Brooklyn Nets, so we'll cover New York. And um, who am I missing? Oh, the Celtics. That's right. So the Knicks. Uh, there was a lot of talk around the Knicks about them moving veterans like Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, uh, Nerlens Noel. None of that ended up happening. They made their move about a week before the trade deadline, picking up Cameron Reddish from the Atlanta Hawks. In that trade, they sent out a first-round pick and Kevin Knox. Um, but Cam Reddish gives them another guy, you know, about 6'8", 210 or so. They can play, you know, shooting guard, small forward. Against smaller guys, can play the power forward a little bit. Not a great shooter, but he's a very aggressive shooter, um, good perimeter defender, and he's still very, very young. Um, so this was just a, a chance to get a very good young player that could possibly develop into a, an all-star level player. And then finally, the Celtics made a couple of trades. Um, it's been kind of a theme with uh, Brad Stevens, the coach of the Boston Celtics, to bring back the guys that played for him that he really liked. Uh, he ended up, you know, picking up Al Horford and Ennis Cantor in the offseason. Um, and then during the trade deadline, he brought Daniel Tice back. Tice uh, was with them last year, got traded to the Chicago Bulls, and then ended up uh, signing with the Houston Rockets this offseason. Has struggled with the Rock Rockets, mostly just really struggled to find a role with them. Um, and so the Celtics are bringing him back. In that trade, they sent out... Um, they sent Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Cantor, and Bruno Fernando to the Rockets. Ennis Cantor has since been waived, so he is a free agent. Um, but Daniel Tice is going to come in and give them a guy that can immediately come in and play in the Celtics system. He is very familiar with Al Horford and with a lot of the guys that they have on the roster. And then they made their biggest trade of the day. They sent Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford to the Boston or to the San Antonio Spurs and got Derek White, who I didn't know was actually available to be picked up. I I didn't think that the Spurs were gonna trade him. Um, so great pickup there. You know he's about twenty six, I believe. You know he was a bit of an older rookie when he came in, but he's a solid defender, um, a decent scorer, decent three point shooter. A uh, good ball handler, and he gives them either he can start at the point guard position for them or just be a spark plug off the bench. Um, I think a very good pickup for them there. Um, and then finally, they, they sent Bull Bull and um, PJ Dozier to the Magic. Um, I think they got cash back for that deal. Um, and then, like a month before the deadline, they are part of that Bryn Forbes trade. Um, and that's how they had Bull Bull and PJ Dozier, uh, 
The Nuggets sent those them those two guys. They sent Juan Hernan Gomez to the Spurs, and the Spurs sent uh, Burton Forbes to the Nuggets in that trade. Um, but with that, that is the uh, the Eastern Conference. What the Eastern Conference did during the trade deadline. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with more uh, jazz talk. But thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. And bye.